1: Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Really excited to have you all here today, tuning in once again, another great episode. And today I'll introduce my guest in just a minute, but just a little high-level teaser, as I like to say. We're going to have a guy on who wrote a book called The Doorway to a Lifetime of Freedom. So has there ever been a guest more suited to be on this show than today's guest, Neil Brownell? I don't know. Maybe not. So I'm excited for you guys to get to meet Neil and to dig into what is in his book and what he is all about. A really interesting guy. You're going to love the interview. Before we do that, I just want to remind you, as I do so frequently... Um, If you're listening to this podcast, you're either listening on the Lions of Liberty Network or on the Finding Freedom solo feed, the Finding Freedom podcast. Um, If you've been looking for the Finding Freedom podcast to subscribe to it and you can't find it, what you can do is you can just search Finding Freedom, then my name, John Odermatt and it will pop right up and please be sure to subscribe and it is always appreciated if you leave a nice five star rating. And a nice little review. And if you do, I will read it on the air. I always promise that. So that's all I got. Let's just get right into today's show. Okay. Okay. We are live with Neil Brownwell. And Neil, he's also known as the Crazy Inventor, and you can be sure I'm going to ask him about that nickname (laughs) and, uh, and where it comes from, but we're here to talk primarily about a book that he wrote, a very interesting book, a very unique book. It's called The Doorway to a Lifetime of Freedom, and Neil wrote the book for all those people out there carrying lifelong baggage. Um, that's been accumulated over time from abuse and bullying, bad relationships, and all kinds of other traumatic events. And really, for the for the first time in this book, um, he really shows how science has proven that you no longer need to live with that baggage. So excited to dig into that and excited to learn more about Neil. Neil, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. And I want to say hi to all of the wonderful people that are
1: listening. Well, they're going to... Uh, be happy to hear from you and happy to uh, learn from you today because uh, you know I just got through. I, I won't say I read your book in entirety. I didn't have time, but I want to go back to it and really do a deep dive and really read it. But going through the book, it's extremely unique in its presentation, and we'll get to that. I, I really liked it. But before we go down that road, um, first of all, maybe... I gave an introduction of you, but maybe, you know, when someone meets you on the street, when you meet a new person, um, how do you explain or or share about uh, what you do?
0: Well, first, the very first thing I want everybody to know is that I absolutely love people. I just love people, always have. In fact, one of my favorite things in the world to do is something that most men will say, oh my goodness, I don't want to do that. And that is shopping. Up until till, till COVID came along, it had nothing to do with the shopping. It had everything to do with the interaction with the people in the store. I could, it, it, people are people are people. When you walk down the aisle and somebody says something, you can interject a comment or something if you do it right. And everybody in the aisle just starts laughing. Mm-hmm. And, it's like, and, and we're so different. People are telling me that we're different. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're, we're all very, very good.
1: I I, I would agree with you. And it's been interesting, not really, it's really been sad to see the change in that dynamic over the past two years as, and I don't want to go too deep down this road, but really as, you know, there was a restriction, a period where we really were told not to interact with each other. We were told to keep six feet social distance. We were told to be afraid of other people because they might get us sick. Yes. So and that's and and unfortunately that that has has stayed around in, in in a lot of people. A lot of people um have gotten past that and gone back to, you know, quote-unquote normal as uh, as we'll say, but uh there's definitely been there's some some scar tissue that I think needs to be uh needs to be worked through from that. Absolutely.
0: They they're still getting there though, but, but they're coming back. I've been able to joke with some of them.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. So let let's talk about um yourself and, and your nickname, the, the Crazy Inventor. Give us give us some background on that and uh, what that nickname means.
0: Well, the nickname actually is, is something that I felt that when I went out and started speaking that I should tell everybody who I am. I, I, I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm not going to hide anything um, because anytime you hide something, then it's going to come out and bite you anyway. So one, when I was a young man, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and I wanted to do everything. I didn't know what it was. I did carpentry, I did cabinetry, I did electric. You name it, I did it. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh finally I'm like this is ridiculous. I can't fi- I'm 30 years old. I can't figure out what I want to do. So I'm going to go take an aptitude test. So I went in and I took an took this aptitude test and My wife was sitting there with me at the time, and the lady looks at the chart after a day and a half of testing me, and she says, okay, uh, it comes up that you're an inventor. And my wife literally started begging with her, saying, no, 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 he's anything but an inventor. Please tell him anything. So um, that's where the inventor came from. And um, mental illness does run in my family, uh, also with uh, alcoholism. And I actually have been one of the lucky ones because I got manic depression and my brothers and sisters got manic depression and alcoholism. And so I happen to live in a time that there is medicine and things that you're talking about in my book that shows you how you can live a really, really good life, even though your life is a little different than somebody else's. And so I figured I might as well just tell everybody up front, I'm a crazy inventor.
1: I like it. Why not? So let, let's talk about the book. It, this this is not your first book, right? You, you've read more Correct. Or, okay. Correct. What was the name? What was the name of your, your prior book? So I,
0: I've rent, written Mental Power, and, and some other things like that. Okay.
1: So I guess before we get into the book, um, why, why writing? What pulled you towards writing?
0: I am a very spiritual man. I am not a religious man, but I'm an extremely spiritual man. And I just get these feelings that I need to do something and don't even know why lots of times, but specifically with the doorway to a lifetime of freedom, I literally started writing that this book, not knowing what it was about at all. I just Mm. had this feeling I was supposed to start writing. And when I started writing, because of some of the techniques I use in there, I thought it was a children's book. And as it progressed, I'm, I'm looking up and, and, Saying my prayers to what I call the spirit world and i um I, I'm like Where are you taking this and by the end of it, it was all about freedom
1: it, it is really interesting so so when uh when Neil says that it it presents um you know, especially in the beginning, like a, like a children's book, you know, I don't want to give too much away. I'll, I'll let you explain as much detail as you want to. But can, can you explain the, the beginning of that book with the, uh, the, the different pictures and, and the technique used there a little bit? You, you don't have to go into all the detail.
0: Well, actually, what I want to say about that is not a specific thing that I wrote or did. What I, what I want to say is that I have studied how the human brain works. Well, because of my manic depression, I, I, mm-hmm. I was all over the place for so many years. And my poor wife had to live with this very ill man. But she stuck with me because she kept telling me I was trying to get better and she was going to stick with me as long as I was trying. And finally, uh, this this is actually my first wife. And finally, after and, and I might cry on this one because she finally got me healthy and six months after I got healthy, she suddenly died.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, And I'm like, why did you do that? Why did you make her suffer for all those years? More than it, it had to be 15 years or more that, that she suffered. And, and then she finally got the good meal. She finally got the healthy meal, and you took her away. What are you doing? So um, So anyway, because of that, I have studied. The human brain and how the human brain works and Mm -hmm. the fact is is that once the human brain makes up its mind that this is the way it is it is almost impossible to get that person to move off of that location unless you go in from what i call the back door You go in and you are actually in the person's head, and this sounds terrible, but it it can be done for evil purposes, and that's where I wrote the book because I was very angry that people were using these kind of techniques to hurt people when I said, man, you can use the same techniques to help people. And so I went in, and the very first part is so simple that it's so childlike that the brain can't say, wow, that's not true. The brain just automatically goes, yeah, you're right. That is true. It's just common sense. And at that point, the person starts thinking because my message is, is that people are good. People are really good. But it's also that people don't know that they're good. And I want to teach them how good they are.
1: So, so you've, you've talked about this, this technique really Addressing how we see things, right. um, not judging a book by its cover, um, actually assessing Very good. <laughs> assessing everything around it that's making you perceive it that way. Um, so, so wh- where did you learn this, or wh- how did you discover this technique?
0: Well, that that actually goes into where it all started with sure. me. I, I was, if you read the book, I don't know how much you read of it, but I was born into a family with literally geniuses. Uh, I had a brother who could read a book and then recite different pages. Just just go to a page and say, what's on that page, Terry? And he'd start reciting it. And mm. this wasn't just one book. This was any book that he picked up. So, and this, this, this was my siblings. So when I came along, It it just was different. For some reason, I, I couldn't read. I couldn't do anything. And as the brain works, my parents determined that I was mentally slow. Well, they actually took me to the doctors, and he confirmed that I was mentally slow. And this all starts thinking that, wow, how can he possibly say people are good when these things happen to me? So, But I want to let you know that this is nobody's fault. This, this is just something that has happened over a period of millennium. It, it has been going on for thousands of years where a parent doesn't have the access to information to change the chain. So mm-hmm. when my parents treated me badly, I was having a very conflicted time because I was feeling that they loved me, that they wanted the best for me. And yet they were treating me badly. They, they, they were calling me things like, and I'll use this word once because it's a very offensive word and I don't use it ever, but, um, and that is, they, they called me the little retard um, in, in, in school. They, they, they called me the same thing. The teachers equally, I, I, I felt um, were belittling me only at the same time, I was feeling that these people weren't bad. So I was really confused as a little child. How can I be feeling that these people are good when they're treating me so bad?
1: And you felt, you felt that in the moment as a child? Yes, I did. When I was, yes, really? yes, I did. Yes, wow. I did.
0: And um, this is just my personality. It doesn't mean sure. that I'm a great person or anything like that. But I never struck out at any of the kids or the teachers or anything because I felt that there was something wrong here. There was something about the picture that I wasn't getting because how could I feel goodness when I saw bad? Well, by the time I was eight years old, they discovered that I was virtually blind and I needed glasses. And Mm -hmm. the doctor told them that without glasses, you might as well say this young man is blind. So that's the reason I couldn't read. That's the reason I couldn't catch a ball, you know, but once the brain makes up its mind that something is true, unless something comes into the picture that totally changes it, the brain will not listen to it. So when, the, when my parents heard that I was blind, well, instead of being a blind, normal person or genius or whatever you want to put in there, I was a blind, mentally slow little boy. And so that, that continued this kind of, if you want to call it abuse, I really don't call it abuse. I just call it the chain going on. I can tell you some of the things my mother went through that I know of when she was a child, my father, so on and so forth. So the chain was just going on. It was just coming out differently. And then when I was 11 years old, they decided that I was never going to make it in, in normal school. I had already failed two grades. I had already already been thrown through two grades that I shouldn't have passed, but they said I was too young. So just send them on. I'm now in fifth grade and they're like, no, this little kid is never going to be able to cut it. We're going to send them to a special school. Well, at that special school, I met my first guardian angel and that was Mrs. Anderson. Mrs. Anderson was my teacher and she did two extraordinary things and yet unbelievable believably simple. And that's what I'm telling you about the simplicity of Mm. how you can get into your own head and then you can change all that negative stuff. Anyway, the first thing that she did was she didn't listen to anybody else about who this little boy was. She was going to decide for herself. So she took the time. She observed me. She worked with me and then decided for herself. The next thing that she did was she told me what her goal was. And my goal today is to help as many people in the entire world know how incredible they are and what they bring to this life is so important. So Mrs. Anderson decided that her goal was to tell me that I was smart. And she got down on her knees and she looked this little boy in the eye and she said, you're smart. But again, remember, my brain won't accept it because it's so different from what I've been taught. Mm -hmm. So I literally looked at her and says, no, I'm stupid. She got this big grin on her face and the most love in anybody's eyes you've ever seen. And she says, nope, you're smart. And my goal is to prove it to you. And so she, so she went out of her way to give me assignments that I could do. What I didn't know at the time was I was in fifth grade and she was literally giving me first grade assignments, but those first grade assignments I could do. And after every single one, she'd hold the paper up in front of my face and she'd say, see, you're smart. And this proves it. She literally changed my life in five months. For 11 years, I had been taught that I was worthless and believed it. In five months, this woman changed everything. So the two things that came out of that story was one, Mrs. Anderson taught me that all it takes is one person to care about another person to completely change their life forever. The other thing that came out of that story is because I was blessed and I really do mean I was blessed to be born essentially blind and spend the first eight years of my life getting to know people by sensing their spirit Mm -hmm. rather than seeing their physical form or even what they were doing. And this is why I knew these people were good, even though they were doing really bad things. So as, I, as time went on, it took me a long time. Uh, with my particular aptitude, I want to know everything that there is to know about any particular subject. So it takes me a long time to really learn all this, the, the intricacies of these things. But um, after some time passed, what I realized was that the adults, my parents, the teachers, they were desperately trying to reach me and they just couldn't find a way to do it. And so they were very, very frustrated and their frustration came out in anger towards me because they actually loved me so much that they just wanted to help and I can't help this little boy. And Mm -hmm. so it came out in that anger. And with the kids, well, kids are just confused. They they, they don't know who they are. They want to go up with, with the toughest kid because they don't have to worry about anybody picking on them and so when all the kids got together and they started picking on me well better him get picked on than me so Mm -hmm. it wasn't that that they were just after me necessarily they were just taking a route that they felt was easier so neither one neither one of them not the adults not the kids were ever evil in my mind
1: that's that's a, that's a well, there's a lot of great points there, um, but the the one you just stated, they're really talking about the other kids. That that is so true, and not just kids. It's adults. It's you know from from all ages. Um, people are looking at life through their own eyes, and they're making decisions in their own best interests. Um, that's not to say that there's not evil in the world, and there's not bad people in the world who are, are manipulating people and. And, uh, you know, trying to get one over on people, of course, of course, that exists. But 100%, I agree with you uh, that most people are good. And, you know, maybe the circumstances, things that have occurred to them in the past or they're going through in the current moment are influencing uh, the way that they are reacting. Uh, But it's just such a great lesson um, that you're teaching people here to really what you were talking about and these experiences that you had early in life. And I think it's so fascinating that um, when you're talking about growing up blind and being able to, to sense the, the goodness in people, um, even though you're hearing uh, these hurtful things being said to you. Um, so how, how, did, how did that impact you as, as you grew older? How did that impact you as you started to um, mature and decide what you wanted to do with your life?
0: Well, I, I, to be 100% honest with you, that, that's a very good question, and I really had not thought too much about it. But it, when I was a young man, I did come down with manic depression, and then I wound up being very, very angry about everything that had happened to me and didn't have any idea how to deal with it Mm -hmm. and then i had children and as you know children change your life (laughs) i had a daughter and she was wonderful and then i had a son and my wife always said that she wanted to have neil brownell's son and after she got him she's like maybe it wasn't a good idea (laughs) but uh, so my son Um, went to preschool and this is horrible he went to preschool and he was like three years old and he came home with a picture of the family and he goes there's mama and there's sister and there's me and there's daddy with his punch in hands because he's always mad I said oh my god this little three-year-old sees me angry because I'm always, I've got to do something about that. I have have to. So I started getting a hold of therapists. I started getting a hold of psychiatrists. I said, I've got to change this. And the beautiful part of the story is when they're that young, they don't remember things. And so about two years later, he is now five years old, and he brings home a, a picture of the family, and he says, Here's my family. He says, there's mama and there's sister and there's me and there's daddy with a big smile on his face because he's always laughing. And I said, oh man, I did it. I did it. So to, to answer your question at the beginning, it was really, really hard uh, to, to get past and to understand that you could get past all of that negative mm-hmm. stuff. Because not, I, I knew that the people around me were good, but because of the way I was taught, I really didn't know I was good. And so it took me a while before I learned that.
1: This might seem like a question that's not related, but I'll explain how it is related. So the question is, do you watch the news and do you suggest people watch the news? And the reason I'm asking that is because the news is so is so negative, And it's such a, it's really a, a propaganda machine from any side all side whatever side you're looking at um it's it, you're getting negativity into your life so just curious to get your your input on that well it's very
0: interesting because like i said i'm a very spiritual person and about 20 years ago the um the spirit world put me in a position to where i was almost broke and so i decided I was going to get rid of television. I was going to get rid of everything. And at the time I thought it was a bad thing. And so I did watch the news from time to time. I listened more to the radio, but as time went on, my radios were terrible. And I I told my wife, my, my lady Linda here, I said, well, our next radio is going to be better because I want to be able to listen to this stuff. And the spirit world decided that the next radio was going to be worse. And then the next radio where we live in the mountains. And so <laughs> there's not much uh, you can get here anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, no. So I what I started doing was one of the things that is used against people that infuriates me is that if you repeat something often enough, it becomes true. The brain, for some reason, just, I mean, there, there's things that I have heard over and over on the news that I know for a fact is not true. And yet I find myself once in a while starting to think it. And I'm like, yo, get out of my head. So what I actually do was I, I go to YouTube lots of times. I'll read the, uh, the, the headings or subtitles, whatever you want to call them. I read those, get kind of an idea of what's going on. Our system here in the United States was set up so they had to move very, very slow. So we shouldn't have to watch every day to begin with. And if you turn on, I I turned on the news maybe a month ago. I turned it on again last night. Almost nothing had really changed. They were still talking about the same garbage. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so all I need to know is the basics. So that's what I would say to people. Just watch the basics.
1: So, so with that in mind, with with you know moderating um, the the garbage that that comes in through the news or or whatever else that, that's out there, um, what what types of things do you do to sur- to surround yourself with um, positive thoughts and positive people?
0: How that's good, That what do I do to surround myself with positive people? I live in the mountains and there's not a whole lot of people around to begin with. And the, the, the friends that I have are literally friends that would die for me. And th- those kind of people just don't come along very often. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, uh, a number of years ago, I lived about two hours from here and I had a knit group that was just really tight. We, we loved each other and we helped each other. And then one day, uh, one of them said, "Well, uh, I'm being transferred, so they moved. Another one moved. Another one moved. Then my wife died, and it's like, wh- you know. So, <laughs> so when you have such a small knit group of people, it can be a disadvantage too. But I have, I, I just have some great people around me that that cheer me on.
1: So, to to go back to the book, what? You said when you started writing the book, um, you, you just kind of started writing. You, you had a, a spiritual experience, and in the early stages, you thought it might be uh, a children's book, and then it, then it evolved in, in, into 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 what it is—really a way for people to self-actualize and, and find their own freedom. So when you talk about the book to people, and they say. Why should I read this book? Or wh- wh- what's it gonna What's it gonna teach me? Um, what would you tell them?
0: Well, first I tell you, tell them that I had preliminary readers that I just asked if, if you would read read my book and give me some feedback. Uh, and they were from all walks of life. They were from uh, all ages, from very young up to ninety years old. And then I went back and I started to. Uh, speak with them and ask them different things about whether they like the book and what they and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a couple of stories that I was just absolutely dumbfounded when they came to me. One of them was a businesswoman who has everything. She's got the cars, the house the, she takes the trips to Europe. She does everything. And so we asked her and she's in her sixties. And when we went into her office and sat down with her at her desk, she, she got the book out and she put it in front of herself. She had tears running down mm. her face. And she said, for the first time in my life, I know I do have value. Wow. And I'm like, Are you, I, I didn't even know what to say. You know, I, I did, how, when you touch somebody that deeply, what do you say? And so she took the book and asked her husband to read it. And so her husband read it. And that's one of the things that's been going on with the book. It's really awesome is that when people get a hold of the book, they, it tends to go through two and three and four hands. They come back and buy more and give it out to friends. The other one that actually, well, well there's a few other ones is that one, when Linda and I first started to sell the book, we went out to a, 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 a book show And somebody walks up to us and said, hey, you know, I belong to this organization. Do you have literature that you can give me? And I'll give it to my boss. So I said, sure. We give it to her. I looked at Linda and I know that the, you know, the statistics statistics go that if you do something a hundred times advertising wise and you get two people, you've done really, really well. Mm -hmm. So when I handed this to this lady, I turned around to my lady and I said, there you go. All we got to do is give out another 99 and we might get somebody to get a hold of us. (laughs) So the very next day in the afternoon, the phone rang and it was this lady's boss. And he said, will you come teach this? Wow. Yeah. I said, oh, my goodness. It never even occurred to me. And the other is... is, is it, ever, two, it never it was,
1: occurred to you to, to
0: teach it? Or? No, it mm. never occurred to me okay. to, to, wow. to, 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 to teach it. Um, and, the other, and so we've ta- taught a, a number of classes now. Mm. And the other one that just floors me every time, and it's happened several times, is that when we do teach a class to young people, at the end of the class, I have had kids walk up to me and whisper in my ear and say, I am the bully. And after seeing your class, wow. I know I need to look deeper.
1: You know, that's, and bullying has changed with, with, with how kids act from, you know, I'm almost 40 years old from when I was a kid to today's world where I, I think bullying's easier than ever with social media. And it's, it's easier to be a bully. And it's that, 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 sort of, that sort of group think um, that you talked about earlier with the kids where, you know, maybe they're not the one leading the pack, but it's easier for them to align um, with right. that bully than it, to, than it is to stand up. That's, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've just floored. And I love it. Oh, my God. Linda and I, when we teach a class, we're on cloud nine for about three days.
1: So when you teach a class, I'm just curious on, on the setup, are they, are, are you going into, into schools or are these yes. online, well, I guess they're not online virtual because people came up to you. So they're, they're in-person classes? Yes. Yes.
0: The very first one we taught was a lady called us up and said, will you come over and teach this to my class? And we said, oh, sure, no problem. Had no idea what we were going to do at the time, but we said, sure, we'll do it. And so um, she tells us that, all right, I want you to come in and teach 5th, 6th, and 7th graders and their parents for two hours. I said, sure, no problem. Hung up the phone and said, what did I just do? Wow. Yeah,
1: yeah. So when you taught, so 5th, 6th, 7th grade and parents, I'm assuming in different classes, or maybe it wasn't. um, Do you you tailor the teaching material differently to kids in fifth, sixth, seventh grade than you would to adults?
0: Yes. Yes. With adults, I want to teach them more of the techniques that I'm using so they can go out and use these techniques to help people. Whereas with the kids, I just want them to see the value in people.
1: Can you share an example of of a technique? A technique? Well,
0: for one, you've got to get people to think without them knowing that they're thinking, for lack of a better way of saying it. And, And this has got nothing to do with the class, but Linda and I quite literally sit here at night And we talked to each other about how we would respond if somebody said something. Hmm. And so we we said, okay, well, we could do it this way or we could do it this way. And I never knew how valuable this was going to be until Linda and I went to a party where we knew no one. We did not even know the host because Linda, Linda, (laughs) Linda and I... Have a part time house cleaning business. And this woman got a hold of us and asked if we would come in, clean the house because they had forgotten to get it clean and the party's tomorrow. So, will you come to the party? And we're like, sure, no problem. We'll have fun. So, when we showed up, they were all on the opposite side of the political spectrum. And so, I, my lady asked me, she says, well, what are you going to do? You don't know anybody here. I said, well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go over and get a beer. <laughs> and so I went over, I went over and I got a beer and I'm six foot four and most people are shorter than me. So I can kind of look down into people's conversations. And there was four people there and they were just beside themselves screaming and yelling about some of the things that were going on in the news. Mm-hmm. And I just you know, took a sip of my beer and I looked at them. And I said, is that true? And the four people just stopped instantaneously and looked at me. Well, for one, automatically, I'm in their head. They're they're automatically wondering what is going on, right? And I put put up my hands, because you can see they were starting to get a little angry. I put up my hands and said, no, 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 no. I do not mean to be confrontational. I said, I am an inventor. I can invent nothing unless I can verify the facts. What I'm asking you is what you just said, is it true? And if it is, where can I go to verify it? And two of the people actually walked away and two of them stayed. And to make a long story short, by the end of the night, those two people hung out with Linda and I and just had fun the entire night laughing and joking.
1: Well, I mean, that's, that's so true. So many people are just regurgitating things they hear. And like we've already established, and like everyone listening to this knows, the news on all sides lies. So most yeah. of the time, uh, yeah. the news on either side or um, whatever side we're talking about is, is not true. So another question for you that I've started to ask my guests uh, recently is there anything that I haven't asked you, asked you about during this interview, either about the book or about your, you know, yourself personally, your personal story, um, that I should have asked you and, and that you'd like, uh, like my audience to know about?
0: Well, there's no way that you could have asked this, but I would like to tell this sure. story because the news, they scare people, especially young people. And so one day I was with a friend of mine and his daughter and her boyfriend were together and they were just scared to death. He says, we are going to get into a nuclear war. North Korea is going to come after us. Oh my God, what's going on? Right? And I, again, I, I used the, the, the technique of putting my hands up to calm people down a lot. And so I, I said, look, nobody so let me, wants- Let me
1: pause you there. because yep. so, so the putting your hands up technique- What's the, what's the thought process behind, behind that me down? Because it does. I, I do it, too, kind of instinctually. Yeah. But what's, yeah. what's behind that?
0: Well, if, if you
1: take it all the way
0: back through humanity, putting your hands up is showing you have no weapons mm-hmm. and you mean no harm. And so automatically people say, okay, well, he doesn't mean me any harm. Right. So, so that's the very first thing that I try to do is to let them know I am not here to, to harm you in any way. So I put my hands up and I said, look, the next technique that you want to use is you want to identify with them. And so I said, look, there is nobody in this world that wants nuclear war. So I'm right there with you. So now you have that bonding right there. Both Mm -hmm. of you have agreed. I said, but can I ask a few questions? That's what inventors do. We ask questions and then we seek out the answers. And they said, sure, go ahead. I said, do you know how big North Korea is? And they said, no. So, well, one of the techniques that you really should do is you should look this up because on the internet, in two seconds, you can find the answer. But I'll give you the answer right now, but don't take my word for it. said, North Korea is about the size of New York State. So I said, now, next question. How, how is their economy? Well, there's people are starving. They don't have an economy. Unfortunately, our brothers and sisters in, in, in Korea are under a regime that they're literally starving to death. Right. So the next question that I wanted was, how big is their military? I said, well, okay, their military is roughly a million people. It sounds like a lot, but they have no money, so they have no equipment. I said, so let me get this straight. The the news, what I call the corporate news, is trying to get you to believe that a dead, broke, starving New York is going to attack the most powerful country that has ever existed. I said, anything's possible, but I highly doubt it. These kids got a big smile on their face and didn't worry about it another second
1: that that's the truth man and it's 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 the same thing with with Iran you know they say the same thing with nuclear weapons there to to scare us um yeah so so, so much of it is just fear to control us and to um really dictate divide and then dictate um absolutely who we vote for and who gets power yep. absolutely um, so, so Neil, before I let you go, um, could you let people know, first of all, where to get the book, where to follow you on social media or your website, or um, just how people can, uh, can get in contact with you?
0: Well, you can get the book at Amazon, uh, both in softcover, hardcover, and in Kindle. You can also get it right now. I want to reach as many people with this message as I can my life has been really good to me. I, I do not have a lot of money, but because I'm an inventor, I knew that more than likely I was going to have long stretches of time when I didn't make much money. So what I did was I went out and I just tried to buy everything outright. I bought a trailer and four acres in the Catskills here. And so I really don't need a lot of money. So I really want this book in everybody's hands. So if you go to, uh, the doorwaybook.com We are giving it away for just shipping and handling for $9.95, and we have a whole bunch of other things in there uh, teaching you how you can get past all of this negative stuff that has been put in front of you, and I'm begging you, please let me be your Mrs. Anderson.
1: Well, that's awesome, and an awesome story, Neil. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing about your book, which I agree with you can make make a huge impact Neil Brownell, uh, thank you for coming on finding freedom.
0: Thank you, John. And thanks for everybody that's listening. And I apologize for that camera. I'm doing better though. I got the the sound in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's all coming together.
0: (laughs) We're getting there. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Thank you for listening to another awesome episode of finding freedom. I mean, what a message from Neil Brownell, um, to be able to to take his personal story and the the suffering really and the pain and the bullying that he experienced at a young age and to turn that into such a positive where he's using that to help other people to see the good in people in situations and to remove the negativity and the obstructions Um, that sometimes make it hard to see um, what someone is really all about. So I want you all to please check out his book, The Doorway to a Lifetime of Freedom. Um, If you have not subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast or the Finding Freedom podcast, please do that. And if you're not a patron of Lions of Liberty, if you're not one of our supporters, if you're not a Lions Pride member, why not? Why aren't you doing it? You could have listened to this interview, watched it live. You could get access to our bonus content, to our famous news links that are, uh, that are curated five days a week and, uh, and sent out to our uh, supporters for at the $15 and up level. You could get merchandise. Uh, you could get access to producing shows, all kinds of stuff. You can do that by joining at patreon.com slash lionsofliberty or at lionsofliberty.locals.com. Stop waiting. Get in. Join this community. We want you on board with us here at Lions of Liberty. With that being said, guys, hopefully everyone has been enjoying the heat that we've been experiencing uh, for the past couple months. It's called summer. Seems to be people are forgetting that summer is, is hot. It's normally hot. So enjoy it. Get to a pool. Um, Hopefully people are getting some rain. We're we're getting some rain here in the Pittsburgh area, really helping the garden. I'll tell you what, the garden's looking nice. But I'll be spending my weekend outside. I'll be cutting the grass. I'll be doing some things around the house and uh, looking forward to enjoying one of the last weekends of summer here in southwestern PA. Hope you do the same where you are, and you always remember to keep your head up, and the fires of liberty burning.